chapter 5, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 14. You can remain seated this morning as we read the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 14, we read here, For the love of Christ constraineth us, and that word constrain means hold us back or limits us, uh, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. It's very important there that Jesus died not so that we would live unto ourselves, it states, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we're not to live for ourselves, we're to live for Christ. Uh, Verse 16, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. And what that is saying is that we no longer know Christ as a mortal man, but now we, we know him as a risen Savior. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, I want you to circle that word all. Some things have become new. Not most things have become new. All things have become new. Uh, Verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Uh, In other words, our sins are not credited against us any longer. Because of our salvation, even when after we're saved, even when we sin, those sins are not accounted to us. They are, they are accounted to Christ on the cross, and, and uh, they are redeemed by him there. Uh, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now that we are ambassador, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now that word reconciled there is an accounting term. It's not, uh, it's not reconciling our soul to God. It's reconciling our life to God. It's a term that would be used in accounting today to reconcile the books. And so that's what he's saying. Verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be, the, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time together. We ask that you would bless uh, this time that we have. Holy Spirit of God, we yield ourselves unto you. And we ask that you would teach us this morning and instruct us from, from the word of God. Help us today to remember the truths that we find in this passage of Scripture. We ask you to bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I have entitled this morning's message, The New You. And certainly I'm not going to teach anything this morning that you don't already know. Uh, I I just want to remind us of some things today. Actually, I taught this lesson um, about a year and a half ago. But it's a lesson that I I routinely like like to teach, especially when I'm teaching young people, because we need to remember these things. And these things are so easy to forget. It's so easy in the hustle and bustle of life to forget these truths. Uh, we, get, we get wrapped up and caught up in, in, in concerns and, and, and dealings in life. 
and, and certainly things that, that, that do and should occupy our time. Parents worry about their children. Uh, all my kids are grown. My youngest is about to turn 24. But you know what? I still worry about them as much as I did when they were seven and eight years old. And now my daughter's expecting a, a baby, my first grandson. I underline son. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll be happy with whatever she gets. But I worry about her. Uh, all day long, I'm calling her and texting her saying, you're not picking up anything heavy, right? You're not, you're not. And, and, and um, I, I always, I have long talks with Apollo. Now, don't knock your mother over. Don't jump on her and all these kind of things. He doesn't listen very well. But that's the, the, these things. And, and life is busy. Things change. Did you ever notice that? <clears throat> Did you ever notice that things change? They don't stay the same, do they? Wouldn't it be nice if everything just stayed the same? Right? You know, if your bank balance never changed, right? You get paid, wow, and that's always there. You write people checks and your balance never goes, that would be great. Why don't we, hire, why don't we elect a president that can accomplish that for us? That would be great. Things change. How many of you have ever heard someone say, so, what's new with you? Any of you ever had someone come up to you and say, hey, what's new with you? Why do they do that? Why would they ask you such a question? Well, probably because they understand that things are constantly in flux. Life is always in flux. Things are always changing. Life is moving. <clears throat> and because of that, things, things do not stay the same. They realize that you are probably experiencing some new problems, uh, some new challenges, or new opportunities uh, are presenting themselves to you around every corner. Now, from Paul's statements in uh, verse number 17 that we read just a moment ago, uh, where he said we are a new creature, we can see that things that there are changes in our life that will take place after salvation. Some old things will become new things. So I want to take some time this morning, and I want to I want to just look at these, and I want to remind us today of the changes that God desires us to have after we have been saved. So first this morning, the first thing that changes <clears throat> is our identity. <clears throat> our identity. Now, there are certain things that identify us. Who can name some things that, that, that whereby you can be identified? Anyone, anyone think of some things? John? Your last name can identify you. What else? Name? Your appearance, yeah. Some people are tall. Some people are short. Some people are robust, like me. Some people are under-robust, like Joe's. <clears throat> right? Things, things identify us. Our, our nationalities, uh, our, our temperaments. These things identify us. Uh, and certainly, uh, they all do, but none more accurately nor important than uh, our family name. There are thousands of Abshires in this country. However, I am not identified with all of them. I am identified with one very specific Abshire family. You are not a member of my temporal family, but it would be possible today for you to become a member of my temporal family. Um, there are, you can become a member of my family one of two ways, either by birth, which none of you can do at this point, or by what? Adoption. Right? Uh, now, let us take this to our spiritual identification for a moment. 
this is one of the changes that is accomplished, but this accomplishes a change. This accomplish is, 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 or this change is accomplished totally by God and not by any effort or cooperation on my part. You were born your natural birth, not because you wanted to be born. Uh, you were not born by your own will. You were not born by the will, or you were born, I'm sorry, by the will and action of your parents. I'm, I'm having a hard time. I got new glasses, and, and uh, so I'm going to take them off for now. Uh, I do better without them, if you can imagine that. But you had absolutely nothing to do with your natural birth. It was out of your control. And the same is true concerning our spiritual birth today, our identity uh, today. We had no control over it. Whether it is human or divine, our birth, we have no control over. So first, let us look at letter A, the old uh, identity, and that is that we were children of disobedience. Children of disobedience. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, uh, Paul states, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. Now you and I were born into the family of man. Our birth can be traced all the way back to Adam. There is and has been no child born outside of the family of man, save one. Anybody know who that was? Jesus Christ. This then seals our physical birth. We are born into the family of man and thereby born a child of disobedience. Regardless of how much I may not want this to be true, so it is. I am born a child of man. I am one of the children of disobedience. And this presents me with a very serious problem. Turn with me to John chapter 3. Let's look at John chapter 3. John, John gives us a very stark statement here. John chapter 3, we read the words of our Savior. And we read, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we've already established this morning that we are all born into the family of man. We're all, we're all, we can all trace our lineage to Adam. And Jesus says here that that birth is no good, that we have to be born again. Being born a child of man is, is what we call the first birth. And no man can enter heaven that has only been born once. Jesus said, except you be born again, you're not only not going to get into heaven, you're not even going to see it. You're not even going to get a glimpse of it unless you've been born again. Now, this birth is the old birth that Paul spoke of in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when he said, old things, are old things are passed away, all things are become new. This old birth, the, the birth into the family of man, the birth into the, into the family of, a, of being children of disobedience, this is the old. Upon salvation, though, Paul tells us, old things are passed away. The old birth and its identity 
are done away with. And they are replaced by the new, letter B, we are now what? Children of God. We were children of disobedience. That's the old. But the new is that we are children of God. We've been, we've been adopted, if you will. Look with me at Romans chapter 8. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 together. And let's look at verse number 15. Beginning at verse 15, we read, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of, what's that next word? Adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Or we cry, Daddy. And that's a wonderful truth. Verse number 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are, what? The children of God. So the old was, we were, we were children of man, we were children of disobedience. The new is that we are a child of God. Nicodemus, a Jewish scholar and teacher, asked Jesus a very direct question in John chapter 3 and verse 4. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus was, was perplexed by Nicodemus' ignorance of truth. He said, are you a teacher of Scripture and you don't know this truth? Listen, we cannot go back in time and be reborn. We can't do that. And that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says being born again, and we understand that. The new birth spoken of by Jesus is not a natural birth, as you and I understand it to be. In John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, Jesus states, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. And in verse 13, Jesus states, which were born not of blood. So there is no natural birth involved here. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. Listen, I mentioned this Wednesday night. I'm so tired of hearing people say, you need to accept Jesus as Savior. (laughs) We don't accept Jesus. Jesus accepts us. Who do we think we are? We think we're somebody so special that we have the intelligence to sit down and reason out what we hear and weigh Jesus against our other options and say, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe Jesus is the right way. That's not how it works, folks. That's not how it works. It's not by the will of the flesh. It's not by the will of man. It's by the will of God that we are made children of God. Your children weren't born by their own will. They didn't go to the prenatal store and say, okay, what are my options for parents here? Let's see. Oh, let's see. I like the Petros. I think I'm going to, I think I'll be born to them. That's not how it works, is it? No. They have no, they have no say-so in it. They're, they're just born by the will of God. Your natural birth comes by the will of God, and your spiritual birth comes by the will of God. So this new identity This new birth is not by blood or or by human genealogy. 
It is not by the will of the flesh or by human works. It is not by the freely expressed will of man. It is by the sovereign and divine will of God. This new identity that we have is the work of God. It is by his divine and predestined will that you are saved. Listen, I don't know why God chose me. I wouldn't have chosen me. If I were making the decisions, I'd have have passed right over me. Because I know me. And I know what was me. And I wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. So I don't know why God chooses. I don't know why God chose some of you. But he did. And it's not for me to reason why. It's according to his good pleasure and according to his divine purpose that we are called, regenerated, and and repent and and are saved. So let's get that part understood. Um, You can't outthink God, so don't try to. Just be willing to, to trust the Lord in his wisdom. This is the work of God. It is without any considerations of any merit or worth found in you or me. So if scripture is true, and of course it is, there never has been nor ever will be any good in me that could or would cause God to choose me for salvation. It is by his sovereign choice apart from anything in me. So this morning, as you sit here, if you are saved, you have a new identity. You are no longer identified as a child of children of disobedience. You are now identified as a child of God. And this new identity is the work of God the Father. But then there is another new thing in us. Not only has our identity changed at our new birth, but secondly... Our propensity has changed. Our propensity, that's a big fancy word, isn't it? I had to find a a, a fancy word so you could believe that I'm smart. I didn't want to come up here and sound like a southern boy who who, uh, eats frogs, you know. I mean, I didn't want to sound like that. What is propensity? Well, propensity is a natural inclination or disposition. It's, it's behaving in a certain way by nature. That's what propensity is. Man differs from animals in many ways, but one of the most distinct ways in which man differs is his ability to control his behaviors. Of course, after hearing the story of what happened to Jeff, I'm not sure that uh, all men are capable of, of controlling their behavior. I'm, Uh, I think a lot of men today are just like animals. They're just like brute beasts. But we do have the ability to control our behavior. Yet the natural man has certain propensities which he cannot control, which he cannot overcome. In Romans, let's turn to Romans chapter 7. Let's go there together. I keep forgetting we're supposed to be turning. Romans chapter 7. We were already there. Look at verse number 18 with me, please. I said that natural man has certain propensities which he cannot overcome. Paul states here, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
for to will or to do the right things is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. In other words, Paul says, I know what I ought to do, but I just can't seem to make myself do them. Okay, verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not. Uh, But the evil which I would not, that I do. You know, I, I remember as a young man, unsaved, I remember doing some things, and then maybe you can, you can identify with this. I remember doing things and then going home and sitting down and saying, why did I do that? Why, why did I do that? I, I didn't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But I do them. Why is that? Well, that's because of your nature. Your propensity. When you're unsaved, your natural inclination is to sin. Pastor mentioned something the other day. I, I, I love that statement. He said, men are not sinners because they sin. Men sin because they're sinners. <laughs> See, that's why men can't clean themselves up. That's why man can't stop sinning because that's what he, he's a sinner. That's what he does. You know, if I go home and, and, if, and, and how many of you have ever seen Apollo, right? Corey's big mastiff the thing is huge. He's as tall as me and. Actually, uh, well, anyway. <laughs> Suppose I took a nice big T-bone steak and cooked it to perfection and set it on a platter and set it down on a coffee table at home and turned around and walked away. What's Apollo going to do? He's going to run over there. He's going to grab that. But if I, if, if I say, don't you touch that steak, and I go in the next room, is he going to be able to resist that steak? No, of course not. Why? Because he's a dog. And that's what they do. Right? Why do sinners sin? Because they're sinners. It's what they do. It's their, it's their nature. It's their propensity. So, so our propensity was, letter A, to walk in sin. Our old propensity was to walk in sin. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Just a couple of books over. Ephesians <laughs> chapter 2. And look at verse number 2. Well, let's look at verse 1. Begin there. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We, We walked as children of disobedience. We walked in sin because that was our old nature. Not because we necessarily wanted to, but because we could not help it. It was our nature. It was our natural inclination. Um, why? Well, if an unsaved man lies or cheats or steals his way through life, this does not surprise me. Because that's what natural men do. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul states, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he lists the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Why do, why do the men do all these things? The old nature abides in these things. 
Because that is the nature of the old man. And man cannot change his nature no more than an elephant can change himself into a mouse. Oh, as natural men, we may be able to curb our behaviors for a short period of time, right? Unsaved, as an unsaved man, I used to say, that's it, I'm, I'm, that's it, no more, no more. Oh, that's it. And I might make a week, maybe, if I was lucky. And then I was right back to the old stuff. Why? Because that's my nature. I can't, the, I can't change what I was. And this old nature cannot exist in the presence of the Lord. It must be done away with. It must be changed. And this, too, is an old thing that has passed away. And now we look to the propensity that we have been given, and that is the new propensity is to walk in righteousness. You're in Ephesians. Go to chapter 5. It should still be there. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Let's begin with verse number 6. Paul writes here, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. This walking in sin, this propensity of the old nature. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, it is very important for us to remember, listen to me carefully, we did nothing to, to, to gain this new nature. We did nothing to have this propensity to walk in righteousness. We must remember that this nature was given to us. God gave us the ability to walk in righteousness. In other words, the Holy Spirit has not eradicated the old nature or the old desires or the old habits. Rather, he has only given you a new propensity. He has not completely removed the old. He has simply given you the new. Far too many Christians cannot understand why they still have the same old desires, the same old temptations that they had before they were saved. After all, they think, now that I'm saved, shouldn't those things be gone? But let me make it very clear to you today. You have been given the ability to overcome the world, the sin, and the devil. But the allurements of these things have not been removed from your daily life. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others... I myself should be a castaway. Paul realized that he needed to keep a watchful eye on that old nature. He realized that at any moment, the old man could creep up and take away his testimony. And this is the plight of so many Christians today. They wrongly think that they are invulnerable to the old man. But remember the admonition of Paul. As he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 
Oh, yes, we've been given the propensity to walk in righteousness. However, we had better be watchful for the old nature. God has given us the Holy Spirit, which will help us overcome temptation. But we must not forget the old nature to keep it under subjection. And this can only be done by faith. 1 John 5, 4, John writes, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And this is only possible because of God the Father. Because in 1 John 4, 4, John tells us that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And we must remember that. What's new today? Well, our identity is new. Our propensity is new. And then, number three, I think we might make it, our responsibilities are new. Romans 6.16, let's all look at it. Uh, Romans, just back up a couple of chapters, uh, or a, few, a couple of books, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Our responsibilities are new. Look what he says, look what Paul writes in verse 16 of Romans chapter 6. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, in his natural state, a man has one main purpose, and that is to satisfy his flesh. And this is seen in our world today in a self-centered, self-gratifying society. This selfishness, this desire for self, is seen in the millions of aborted babies each year. It is seen in the growing debt of our nation. You know, it's no mystery how to balance the budget. I was sitting down talking to Corey yesterday, and I told him, well, let's let's cut all of the senators and congressmen's salary in half. Let's start there. Let's stop paying presidents once they've served. It is a service, right? Well, not according. I don't think it is anymore. Let's stop paying them. Let's tell them, hey, you know what? Uh, you're on your own. We're not going to give you security. Okay? You, you rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Well, guess what? You better buy yourself a shotgun. Uh, let's stop. Let's, let's don't give them offices with staff. Let's don't fly them across the country. Let's do, you know, we could, we could trim our national debt to barely nothing. But what fuels it? Greed and self-gratification. That's what, that's what drives it. The selfishness is seen in the infringement upon the rights of others. Hey, you know, a man doesn't want to say one nation under God. I, okay, that's fine. He has a right to not say that, but I have a right to say it. So why should his right over, overdo my right? Hey, he doesn't want his children to pray in school. That's okay. I understand that. What about our rights to have our children pray in school? Uh, he doesn't want to see a Bible in the classroom. That's fine for his kid. Uh, What about those of us who do want to see a Bible in the classroom? What about our rights? But it's the selfish world who stomps on the rights of God's people to get their own rights. The old nature is to satisfy the flesh. And this never leads to harmony, never leads to peace or joy. And far too many are caught in a vain attempt to satisfy the insatiable lust of the flesh. This is the emphasis of the world. In 1 John chapter 2, John tells us, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These are the desires of the old nature of the flesh. 
And the old tendency is to satisfy these desires. But we have been given a new responsibility, and that is what? Now, the new is to serve the Lord. 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. It is our responsibility as children of God to live our lives in service to him. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19, For I know that this shall turn unto my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or death. For me to live is Christ, Paul says, and to die is gain. And this cannot be done in the power of the flesh. It can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that this is not available to the natural man, for the natural man receiveth not the things of God. So what's new? Well, we have a new identity. No longer are we children of disobedience. We are now children of God. What's new? We have a new propensity. It's no longer to walk in sin, it's now to walk in righteousness. What's new? Well, we have a new responsibility. Not to satisfy the flesh, but to serve the Lord. The new you. So as you leave here today, remember these things. We're no longer subject to sin. We're no longer subject to the flesh. We are children of God. We have been given a new nature And we have been given a new responsibility. So as children of God, let us walk worthy. And let us us live lives that glorify and honor the Lord. Why? So that we can raise a generation of children who will do the same. And you know, I I worry and I fear. I I got 40 seconds. I worry and I fear for my the future of my grandchildren in America. Because churches like this, before too many more decades go by, preaching a message like I preached this morning would land me in jail and would cause us to lose our, our nonprofit status and the government come in and tax us and all these things. And why will that happen? Because God's children are sitting back and letting it happen. It's time that we go forth as soldiers of Christ and live lives that honor God and shine as beacons in a dark community so that others will see the light and will be drawn to that light. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto myself. So let's be children of God today. Let's walk in righteousness, and let's serve the Lord with our lives. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and break.